0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Have you you ever been invited to a prayer meeting? And you show up and you go, where is everybody? No, no. That's amazing, isn't it? You say, we're going to go to prayer and everybody goes, (laughs) there's the frozen moment. I'm not sure if I should go to prayer. Do I have something else to do? Oh, I'm praying for you, brother. Thank you so much. Prayer is an amazing moment because we've kind of defined it in ways that really it's it's kind of uh, restricted what prayer is. To a particular place, a particular time, a specific way. When the truth of the matter is, is prayer is just our relationship with the Lord. It is just a constant walk with God. It is a constant being with Him. It is a constant... Tuning into Him, receiving from Him through the Word of God what He has to say to us. It is a relationship issue. Prayer ought to happen all the time. And yes, we need to gather at times for corporate prayer. And yes, we certainly have times where we're in our prayer closet, so to speak, where we are just with the Lord and it's just us together. No question. You can see the Lord and the way he role modeled prayer and he went off by himself and he did it early in the morning. Some of you are not morning people. My son is one of those. If I asked him to pray at five o'clock in, in the morning, ain't uh, much happening there. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan, but that's the truth, Right. Uh, He's more of like a 11 o'clock at night kind of prayer, you know, and praise God that we're free in that, folks. We don't have to put these forms on everything and then act like we're more spiritual than everybody else because we put our form on somebody else. we got to be careful about that. But prayer is a relationship issue. We talked last week about the sword of the Spirit, one of the weapons of the church, obviously, which is the Word of God. And folks, if we're not in the Word of God, we don't know how to pray, If we're not being transformed in the way we think and how we believe, if we're not putting on the eyeglasses of Christ's truth and seeing things through the word of God, then we don't think correctly, we don't believe correctly, therefore we're not acting correctly, and we certainly don't know how to pray correctly. That's the truth. See, if we're not in prayer, then what that says is that we don't believe that we really need God, because prayer is just a lifeline. Prayer is kind of that antenna where we're constantly connected. If we're not in prayer, and if it's not consistent, and if it's not all the time, if it doesn't take place no matter where you are, no matter what the circumstance, no matter whom you're with, then the reality of it is, what you're saying is that you do not need God. Because prayer is a simple acknowledgement to God that we are desperately in need. Of him, no matter when, no matter what. That's the truth. And so, when we see a lack of prayer, what we have is pride because it's self sufficient. Because when we're not in prayer, what we're saying is we don't need the Lord, we can take care of this on our own. Or when things don't go the way that we think they ought to go, we immediately run to God in prayer and we immediately begin to ask Him for what we want, what we think instead of walking with him and being recalibrated maybe by the way we think into what he thinks. Prayer is a relationship issue, first and foremost. It is a recognition of our dependence upon the Lord. We've turned prayer into what we do when we're thanking God for the food or other material things, which is fine, there's nothing wrong with that, I hope you do that. But that's not all that it is. Or we've uh, too infrequently been in prayer. We do it at specific times, in specific ways, when we're with particular people, because it becomes a bit of a facade moment. Maybe we've done it because we're asking God for favor for something. And again, that's not necessarily wrong. We want God's favor, but the truth of the matter is, is when we begin to ask for specific things without it being bathed in the Word of God, being filtered through the Word of God, then the the problem is, is we tend to put our own spin into what we think God ought to be doing for us. And certainly we have the tendency of praying without faith. I heard the story of a, the lady who had a beautiful view out of her kitchen window. The problem was is there was a bit of a, a mountain there, and so she kept looking at this thing, and she wanted that mountain to be removed so she could see even better. And so one night she decided to pray about it, and she said, Lord, I believe in faith. Move that mountain. <laughs> and in the morning she woke up, and she went to her window, looked out, and the mountain was there, and she said, well, just as I thought. <laughs> Wait for it. Y'all need to wake up. We, we call uh, miracle moments in sports, or specifically football, what? Hail Marys. Hail Marys. Right, Chad? <laughs> Hey, I don't know if you've been able to watch the Vols lately, but there's something, something going on with the Vols. I don't know. My father-in-law loved the Vols, and Jonathan and I can't get over the last few few games, and last night was no exception. Did you see this game? Come on, you got to live a little bit. Right? I mean, uh, Georgia comes back, and in the last 10 seconds, throws, I think it was like a 40-yard touchdown pass. They go into the lead. There's 10 seconds left. Comedy of errors. Tennessee gets the ball, and they're able in the last four seconds to throw the ball into the end zone, and the guy catches it. What do we call that? A Hail Mary. That's what we've made prayer. I hope. It's the guy sitting at the, at the car, in his car, and he turns the key and It doesn't start. It just clicks. And he goes, please, oh, please, oh, please, God, just this one time. And he goes to turn it, and nothing happens. And he goes, oh, how many of us have been there? Folks, prayer changes us. We don't change God. And if we're not in prayer from a biblical perspective, if we're not in the Word of God, if we're not being changed, if we're not being transformed, if our minds are not being renewed, if we're not seeing things through God's eyes, If we're walking through life and we're trying to make it the way we think it ought to be instead of receiving from the Lord what it is that he has for us. If we, when we pray, are not simply acknowledging that he's the Lord and that he's able to do whatever he chooses and we know that whatever he chooses to do is good, even if we can't understand it, then we probably need to be recalibrated in our thinking as to what true prayer really is. There's all kinds of ways that I could go with this, and, and I, I just want to give you a, a glimpse of this. The epistles are directives from the Lord in part regarding our walk with him, right? They, they help in the midst of what a, what a grace believer is in terms of what we ought to look like, what we should be doing, what we should not be doing. Who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, and the walk as a result, as well as the hope that we have in Christ looking forward. We're called into a relationship, and the epistles deal with this over and over and over again. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about uh, James or whether you're talking about Peter or Paul, obviously, etc., Prayer is a theme that is pervasive throughout the epistles. It is something that is so natural for believers that we should be walking, and it's like breathing air. We ought to always be in prayer because we're always recognizing our need and dependence upon the Lord. There's all kinds of different thoughts with regard to prayer in the New Testament. There's the banner word for prayer, and in the midst of that idea, there are the ideas of giving thanks. There are the ideas of making specific requests. There's the attitude of prayer when you give this request, which is of a lesser to a greater. So there's humility involved. All of those themes can be seen in the epistles when the directive is given for us to be in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is a convicting one, and for years I didn't understand this, but it's a very simple verse. It's three words, very easily memorized, I would think. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. What? (laughs) So when I'm watching the Vols game, how's that work? What does he mean by that? Does it mean that we're up here in the front? And we're on our knees all the time, or no matter where we are, we check out of every other activity of life, and we're going to be in prayer no matter what. How does that look? How does that work? What does that What does that look like? The picture that's being given here by the apostle is simply that there should never be a moment in a believer's life when they do not recognize their utter dependence upon God. It is not the form, so to speak. It is not the activity in terms of the place. It is not the time. It is the attitude that is being spoken of. It is the idea that there is never a moment where we should not recognize that we are utterly dependent upon God, ever, and so Paul reiterates pray without ceasing. Spiros puts it this way. He says in 1st Thessalonians 5:17 we find Paul's injunction to incessantly pray which means to pray every time an opportunity presents itself and to be in a constant attitude of dependence upon God. This does not imply that the believer should neglect everything else and should utter unending prayer or that he should abstain from work and cloister himself in a monastery where he can constantly pray. (laughs) That'd be kind of, that's rich. How do we fulfill the gospel? How do we fulfill the Great Commission if we do that? And he concludes this. He says, therefore, Paul's injunction means that one should be constantly conscious of his full dependence upon God, period. That's prayer. I like Ron Dunn. I don't know if you've ever heard Ron Dunn. Ron Dunn used to come to Woodland Park, and uh, one of the times that was most significant in my life was an equipped conference at Woodland Park in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's the, the uh, church that my father-in-law pastored for years. Then he ended up going into uh, ministry, and then he came here, and then he went back to Woodland Park. That's the church I'm talking about. And Ron Dunn would come. They would do an Equip conference, Bill Stafford and Ron Dunn. And I came to visit Stephanie one particular summer, and it was the week of a quick conference. And I, I sat and listened to Ron, and I listened to Bill, and I listened to Wayne, and I listened to Spiros. And for three days, I couldn't stop crying. God just broke me about grace. I can remember sitting in the, one of the rows, and I was listening, and I was literally weeping. I couldn't stop. And I remember my mother-in-law leaning forward. She wasn't my mother-in-law at the, that moment, but she's my mom. And so she leaned forward, and she had, you know, handkerchiefs, uh, Kleenex, and she handed them over to me. And she says, are you okay? <laughs> Mother of the world, if you know Diana, she's such a dear. She's doing well, by the way. She's getting through this, and God's grace is amazing. Stephanie went to visit her yesterday, and she's going to be gone for a little bit, but it's been neat to watch how God. God's grace is sufficient God's grace is sufficient, and thank you for all the cards and the prayers, and I don't have time to write everybody back. I, I could start a, a bookstore, I think, with all the, all, the, all the cards, and I just want to thank you for it. It's meant a lot to us. It meant a lot to us. Ron Dunn wrote a, a book, and, he, and I love the title of it. Look it up. We'll go read it. It's fantastic. It's, it's the title simple: Don't just stand there. Pray. Don't just stand there. pray. I love that. You can be in the, in the grocery aisle. You, you, can, you can be at the restaurant. You can be waiting for somebody else. You, you can be standing in the middle of the balloon fiesta with all the people around you in line trying to get uh, some kind of food or whatever it is that you're getting. And all the people around you, how is God leading you to pray? What is God placing on your heart in order to simply go before the throne of the Lord and say, Lord, be with this individual. I'll tell you, I see so many children. God puts them on my heart so often. And I wonder what their lives are gonna be like. I wonder what their home life is like. I wonder what what is the Lord doing in, in the midst of their circumstance? How is God working in order to draw that child to himself? And I constantly find the Holy Spirit within me reminding me, don't just stand there and say how cute they are. Pray for them because they're desperate for it. Let me give you three things as we look at this. First of all, there's the attention of prayer. What are we focused on in prayer? There's the attitude of it, humility, and there's the activity of it. Why do we pray? Well, it should be for God's glory. Amen? Everything we pray should be for the Lord's glory. It doesn't matter what the circumstance. It doesn't matter what the need. It ought to be for God's glory. Matthew 6.19, you know, or uh, verse 9 and following, you know this well. Pray then in this way. I love that the disciples came to the Lord and said, Lord, teach us to pray. When we hear you pray, there's something amazing about it. We want to know how to pray like you pray. And he says, Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Mean, means lift it up higher than everyone. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. See how he starts out and he makes it very clear that this is to the Father. We pray in the power of the Spirit. We pray because Christ himself has died for us and cleansed us. We are now children of the King and we're able to with boldness come into the very throne room of God and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. But we pray to the Father. That's the issue. Our focus is always on the Lord. Our prayers are for him and for his glory, no matter what the circumstance or the need. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it's really fascinating how Paul speaks to this because he makes a statement here that I think all believers ought to understand and recognize fundamentally concerning prayer. He says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we, and that word should is must. We don't know how to pray as we must, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep. For words, this is not another language. This is an issue of God himself knowing what to pray, how to pray, and us not even understanding the full ramifications of what that looks like. But the statement here that every believer ought to understand and recognize is we do not know how to pray as we, what, must. Prayer originates with God himself. We don't go through our circumstances and suddenly go, oh, (laughs) wow, tough one. Hey, Lord, I need some help over here. Hey, everything we've been through or go through is filtered through God's hands first. Remember, he's always working on our behalf. He's always working to draw us to himself, to conform us to his very image. Everything that happens in our lives has already been filtered through the Lord's hands. He didn't fall off his throne and he's not caught off guard by anything that we go through. He already knew that it was going to take place and he will meet us there. So guess what? He knows best what needs to be done. He knows best how we ought to pray. We get into the word of God and the spirit of God using the word of God begins to lead us and guide us even in our thoughts and our thinking and he begins to direct us as to what we should pray concerning circumstances that we really don't have a clue about. Prayer is not me telling God what I think ought to happen and expecting him to bless it. Prayer is me coming before the Lord, recognizing it's all about him and asking him to lead me in the midst of what he's allowed me to be in the midst of. Well, there's an attitude of prayer. How do we pray? Folks, when we begin to understand, we don't, we don't know how to pray as we ought, that it's all about the Father, that it, the attention of our prayer, that we always ought to be focused on the Lord. The attitude of our prayer is one of humility, humility. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and following, and I'm going to give you several different attitudes that, that are certainly indicative of being humble, of recognizing the truth of who God is, and and as a result, what we're not. But Colossians 4, verses 2 and finally says, devote yourselves to prayer. I love that. Devote yourselves to prayer. It shouldn't just be a once and done thing. We don't just come on Sunday morning and go, done for the week. (laughs) Wow. It's something that's an outflow of our walk with the Lord and our relationship with the Lord. It ought to be something on our minds as we're walking with God and being transformed by him. We ought to be devoted to prayer. And he says, keeping alert in it with an attitude of what? Thanksgiving. You mean to tell me that in the midst of everything that we've just gone through with my father-in-law, that there is a heartbeat, there is an attitude, there's a humility of recognition that God is absolutely sovereign over this and that we with thanksgiving can praise God in the midst of it, amen, absolutely. Are we going to do that no matter what the cost, no matter what the circumstance may be? Are we making the decision to do that? Because we know God and we understand his heart in it. And we have a hope that goes beyond anything on this earth with thanksgiving. He goes on, he says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And I love that. Folks, understand that we ought to be praying for the glory of God. We ought to be praying in the midst of it, of whatever the circumstance may be, for his glory according to his way. And we ought to be praying for one another that no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, that God's word through us would be declared in such a way that he would be glorified. Folks, I want to tell you something. You know, it's amazing to me how many times I go through stuff during the week that you have no idea about and I will never tell you. (laughs) And I come in on Sunday mornings and I sense the presence of God because I know many of you are in prayer for me. You have no idea what that means to me. Words can't even begin to express that. Folks, when people aren't praying, I can sense that too. And I don't know how to explain that. If you've ever preached, you understand what I'm talking about. There have been times where I've gotten up to share the word of God and it has felt like I am walking through mud. In my mind, some of you are thinking, yeah, we know that. (laughs) In my mind and in the midst of what I'm trying to say and think, there's a resistance to God's word that is indescribable. And then there's times where I get up and I sense the freedom to proclaim the gospel of God's grace, and I'm talking about the full counsel of God, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's prayer, whether it's the word, whatever it may be, and I begin to experience the Lord in freedom, and I know it's because God's people are praying. When we ask of the Lord, what kind of attitude do we have? There's two different words in the New Testament used or translated to ask. Fascinating to me. The word that's used for us when we ask. For instance, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we what? Ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Ask or think. That word ask is to us. As we pray, we are making a request. We are asking something of God. And as a result, ingrained within the word itself is the idea that with humility, we are coming before the Lord and we recognize that we are lesser and he is greater. That's exactly what that word means. I don't come before the Lord as an equal to an equal. I come before the Lord with humility. I come before him with about heart. I come before him with circumstances that I may have specific requests about. I may have a a request of him concerning, but I lay it down because I know he's sovereign over it. Do you realize, and you can check me on this, there's another word to ask That's used in the Greek. And it means to ask as an equal to an equal. Never one time in the entire New Testament is the word used of Jesus when he is making a request of his father as being a lesser to a greater. Only is the word used of Christ when he is making a request to the father as an equal to an equal. It's incredible. We are the ones who need to bow the knee. And make a request in humility to the Lord. But then there's thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) We could do sermon after sermon after sermon on that, right? I mean, if I ask how many of you absolutely had not one shred of anxiety this particular week. Don't raise your hand. I don't even want to hear it. You know, it's not even close. We get anxious about everything, don't we? I mean, good grief, Paseo can put anybody into anxiousness. Amen? Heaven, help me. What are they doing? I don't get the road work. I mean, I love the aftermath, but the timing of it? Amen, amen. Praying for our authorities. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. And then there's this little phrase here. We like the idea, in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. We like that, don't we? Oh, it means everything that's happened and I can go to the Lord and ask him something about it. But he puts this little phrase, he says, with thanksgiving. Oh. You mean if things aren't going the way that you want them to go and you're coming before the Lord and you've got that holy moment where you start to kvetch a little bit? That we're actually supposed to come before him and with humility, whatever the request may be, whatever the supplication may be, whatever the moment may be, we're supposed to do so with thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Folks, that's when you know that the spirit of God is leading you. Because I want to tell you something. God's the one who creates within us thankful hearts. What circumstance are you going through? And it's tough. It's difficult. It's difficult. Are you coming before the Lord with thanksgiving or are you coming before him demanding or with an attitude that somehow you know better than him? Because I want to tell you something, that's not prayer. Prayer is when we are led by the Spirit of God and we have thankfulness, gratitude for whatever it is that we're in the midst of. What's the result? The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds In Christ Jesus. Why? Because God's sovereign, whatever the circumstance may be, He'll be a fortress to you in the midst of that. Well, there's an attitude of expectancy. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith. Without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Now let me ask you something. I can, I can have all the wholehearted belief that the Lord wants to provide for me a Lamborghini, and I can pray for that over and over and over again. Is that verse saying that I don't have a Lamborghini because I just didn't have enough faith? I think not. The fact of the matter is, he says, the prayer prayed in faith... What is he talking about? Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing is what? By the word of Christ. If it's not out of the word of God, then it can't be of faith, which means it's not going to be answered by the Lord. Very simple. When we ask, and we know it's according to God's word then we with expectancy can watch to see how God is going to answer in his way and in his time regarding our requests. But we got to get into the word in order to make sure that our will is aligned in submission to the word so that when we begin to make requests that it's in alignment with God. Well, the activity of prayer Why? Well, it's for God's glory. I love Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 and following. He's talking about the armor of God, which is, I believe, Christ... The armor equals Christ. He is the full thing. You didn't forget your helmet and then suddenly have to run and go find the sword or, oh my goodness, uh, I, I gotta get the breastplate or, or my, my shoes, right? Ah, where, where, oh, I left my shoes, I gotta go get. No, no, you either have the armor or you don't. You are either walking in Christ or you're not. You're either surrendered to him or you're not. You either got the whole thing or you don't. All he's doing is explaining who Christ is for us and what he's able to do how he protects our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. But in the midst of this, as he gets to the end of this discourse, in verse 18 he says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. How do believers engage in the spiritual war that we're in? I would suggest to you, it's very clear, we engage by prayer. And do we recognize that we're in a spiritual war? Friends, we are in a spiritual war. How do we engage in it? We get aligned into Christ, we begin to walk with Him, we make sure that we're walking with Him, we make sure that we're yielded to Him, surrendered to Him. And in the midst of that, God begins to renew our minds, God begins to change how we begin to think. Our belief systems are revolutionized, our activity reflects that, and guess what? He will lead us to pray. Pray. Second Thessalonians 3:1 again reiterates Paul's heartbeat when it comes to prayer. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also. With you. Pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. Wow. Paul was always requesting that prayer be made for himself and for others, but not that they would be comfortable, not that they would be, uh, in effect, kept from certain things, but rather that the Lord would be glorified, that the word of God would be proclaimed effectively through them, that Paul, when he spoke, would speak the very words of God, and that God would use his very word in the Apostle Paul, not only to transform Paul, but by grace to be revealed through the Apostle Paul. Beautiful. Prayer is something that should take place all the time for every believer because it's a relationship issue. We're dependent upon the Lord. There's never a moment where we're not dependent upon the Lord. It can take place at any time. Any time. Driving down the road. I remember I was at Woodland Park, it was years ago, and and I was on my way in order to help lead a a little seminar on prayer. It was a breakout session and they had asked me to do this and I was driving on my way and I was praying as I was driving, say, Lord, what what do you want me to say? How do you want me to say it? I feel bad, Lord, I feel like I'm never praying enough and the Lord kind of in a very grace-filled way put his hand on my shoulder, so to speak, and said, Eric, what are you doing right now? (laughs) <laughs> See, we tend to think, if I'm not up at 5 o'clock in the morning on my knees somewhere, that then really we're not actually praying. Folks, prayer can take place anytime. Prayer can be on our knees, and it can be while we're driving. So in other words, the posture physically is not the main thing, although I certainly espouse sometimes getting on your knees There are times where we're overwhelmed by things and and it just feels like being prostrate before the Lord physically is something that we need to do because it expresses our attitude towards the Lord and our need of him. But it doesn't have to be on our knees. You may have a special place where you go to pray. Certainly the Lord did. Amen to that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the only place that you have to go in order to experience God, in order to pray. It can be anywhere. You can be talking with people and you're very conscious of God's uh, presence in your life and he's leading you to pray. And as you're talking with people, inside there's this heart anguish, crying out to God for whatever it may be. You may have a set-aside time. Obviously, that's a good discipline but it doesn't have to be at a particular time. See, we're free in Christ. We're free in Christ. So when we talk about the place or the time or the physical posture, those are all well and good and they're fine in their own way, but they do not restrict and or keep us from praying at any time, at any place, in whatever posture we may be. Because this is a relationship issue with the Lord, recognizing that we are always utterly dependent upon him. The Lord role modeled for us uh, something in prayer that I think is essential. The phrase that he used is not my will, but what? Thine be done. Boy, if the Lord's role modeling that to us, how much more should we be willing to say not? my will but thine be done how is our prayer life how are we walking in reality and the truth of the fact that we need christ all the time there's never a moment we don't need the lord prayer comes from the word as we don't know how to pray as we must the lord must lead us in prayer We think we know what that prayer request ought to be. We think we know perhaps what the answer should be. But we ought to always be giving it over to the Lord and saying, Lord, you're the Lord. You choose to do whatever it is that you want because you are who you are. Prayer obviously must be according to God's word and his will. We can come up with all kinds of things that even sound good at times, but the problem is is maybe our attitude's wrong in it, or maybe we really didn't get it right in terms of what the Word of God has to say. And so we, we begin to pray, and we get frustrated in it, and it's because we're really not praying according to God's Word, which is His will. When we pray, do we pray with an agenda? Or do we pray with humility to receive whatever results the Lord has? See, so often we pray and we think, well, we've done the activity, we've done the work, so to speak, and therefore we deserve the result we think that we ought to have. And oh, friend, how often do we put God in our own box telling him what needs to happen? Instead of simply with humility as a lesser to a greater coming before him and saying, Lord, we think this is the way, but you know what's best. So you make the decision on this. What's the focus of our prayers? Are they our needs? And those aren't necessarily wrong, folks. Don't hear me saying that. We have a lot of needs. We're needy people. And thank God for his grace because we can run to him and, and we can make those requests. But are they for God's glory? Or are they selfishly motivated in some way that they actually are for our glory? And lastly, what's our reflexive response to circumstances, to people? Is it to immediately seek the Lord's counsel through prayer, and through the Word. When we go through situations, when we go through stuff, do we realize that God has allowed it, and as a result, He's sovereign over it, and He wants to reveal Himself to us and through us in the midst of those circumstances? And are we immediately, reflexively learning to run to the Lord and immediately submit to Him because we're utterly dependent upon Him? Our prayer life? Do we truly recognize that we're absolutely dependent upon the Lord? No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the thinking, no matter what our understanding, do we believe that God is sovereign and that we can trust Him and that we, with thanksgiving, can bring our our requests before Him, knowing that our loving Heavenly Father hears us because we're His children, but we release Him to do what's best. And we're not putting him in some kind of a prefigured box demanding from him the results. We release those to the Lord. We say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours.